back and join us. Find your way back. We're just going to sing. So dance your way back to your seat. Oh, there's Wendy Johnson. Joanna, did you see Wendy? So, do you want to do more than that? Do you have more than that? You and I are a good player. Not really. We'd like to get started. If you could take your seats, um, I have a few things to um, uh, messages from our beloved staff mm -hmm. to make sure that things go smoothly as we come to the end of the day in a few minutes. Not now, but we want to do the logistics first and then seeing our way out. So. Um, if, if everyone could just, if there's anybody else outside, just uh, let them know and we'll close the door. So um, sometimes at the end of a day long, we ask for your help moving the chairs. Actually, don't move the chairs because tomorrow is another day long and they need the chairs just to stay right where they are. They would like to move the pillows so that they can vacuum around so the pillows go into that corner over there. If you can help at the end. We want to let you know that we have been taping today. We have had wonderful sound, and thank you. Wonderful support with making sure that everything was working well, and we do have good um, audio tapes. And um, here's how it goes. Um, uh, there's another giveaway involved. Uh, DharmaSeed.org is uh, a Dharma... A, sort of a cottage industry of sorts, and it's recently gone on the web. They just stream everything now. There's an opportunity to make an offering, but there's no request. Uh, there's no requirement to do that. The one thing we are not absolutely sure about is whether there would be a code, and I'm told by our staff that we think it will say open to the public for this event, and that you'll just be able to access Joanna and Matt's um, sharing from today. Oh, well, and then uh, two, or th two other pieces. So um, if there is a code, which there is for our retreats, um, and you need to have that, 
um, then what we'll do is send an email out to the email list. If you're not, if you didn't give your email list and you want to make sure that you uh, that you're on our email list and you didn't give it to us, would you just give that to uh, staff members on the way out? Um, and then we invite you to visit the table in the back where Jennifer's tapes are being sold, and uh, there is. Uh, um, also information about a concert that Jennifer is doing. So the, the music will not be on the Dharma seat. That will be the spoken word. Uh, and the music will be uh, available, is available in, uh, on uh, CDs from Jennifer. And let's see, a couple more things. <clears throat> oh, last but not least. When you leave Spirit Rock, if you've never left Spirit Rock, you need to become really wild. You need to become very creative, and okay, and chaos is possible. <laughs> what we would like for you to do is move fairly mindfully, and um, notice that you are not allowed to turn left, uh, which means that the the most creative thing you can do is. <laughs> to go right, <laughs> and then <laughs> go left, and then circle through the little town of Woodacre, which is really lovely. Do not do a U-turn on Sir Francis Drake or on Woodacre Railroad Avenue. It's really a bad idea. So flow your, flow your way through Woodacre. And if that is not clear to you, and it sounds really strange, Look at the map on the back of the door as you exit the hall, and you'll get the map in your head. If you're a map-type person, you need to kind of be able to understand that. So that's the, the main thing. And if we kind of leave in a flow and not all at once, that would probably facilitate things as you're going out onto Sir Francis Drake. Any questions? <laughs> I always laugh when we get to that part. Um, I, I always thought, oh, this is just so complicated, and then, then I thought, well, it's it's so much easier to get to Spirit Rock than it is to get to Tibet. <laughs> so really, just you know, just relax. Don't stress out about this. You will make it back to Central Marin, San Francisco, and the East Bay, wherever it is that you want to go. So just enjoy Woodacre for about five minutes. It's, that's all, really.
It's been such a good fortune for me to be with you today. Each one of us in this room is going to die. Each one of us has lost people. And we're learning that uh, our shared fragility interweaves us more closely. Have you noticed? Like there's a line from Rilke where he says, oh, impermanence. Impermanence gives the fragrance to our life. It's there in every embrace. You know that. It cracks open the heart and helps you pay attention. This moment, this moment. Fran died on Tuesday afternoon. And by that night, the rain was falling. <laughs> I think he turned around and came down as, as rain. <laughs> on this drought-stricken land, so dry. Have you noticed it? We're going to uh, close with uh, loving kindness practice, metta. And uh, my friends have asked me to say a few words about it. And now, language is such a problem there uh, because love is so, uh, you know, it's not, uh, there's no language big enough for that mystery. And uh, in order to cover over the rot of our political economy, love is extolled, like makeup on a corpse. The domestication of our instinct and appetite for love so that we can buy more and sell more. So we must take Matt's words very seriously about the wild woman and the wild man in each of us and be wild in our loving and, and use any word. Maybe the future ones, maybe even seventh generations from now, they'll have another word for this power, a power of life that thrums through us. A word or a phrase or imagery that conveys that this is not um, something nicey-nice and sweet that we do, but something that at the very root of all things that we are. And when we forget that, we go a little crazy. But when we remember it, we can surrender to this power uh, that calls everything into life.
and overcomes fear. Some of my great adventures in this life was working with the Sarvodaya movement in Sri Lanka. It's a village community development movement. And I went over to report on it, lived with them for a year, wrote the book Dharma and Development, learned pots, piles of things. And they, as they train the village development workers, and I went through the training. Among the things that you learn for the transformation of your society is uh, how you fill out applications for the uh, rural development schemes, how you deep you dig the public latrines, how you organize for the cooperative desilting of the canals, all of those tools, and uh, essential, most essential of all, as you learn, metta. A community change agent who does not know how to do metta or be metta is uh, ineffective in their eyes. You get derailed. You start watching out for yourself or your reputation or scoring points. or And to be able to stand firm in your purpose, to be there for the awakening of all, that's what sarvodhya means. Everybody wakes up. This capacity is, this capacity for metta, or this part of our nature that is metta, is trained and practiced every day. And I remember going down to a village that was, had been held by communist insurgents, an area in the south, and talking to uh, a monk who had gone in there to organize and the people had been so trained that the, even the Buddha Dharma was uh, an opiate of the masses and a capitalist delusion. And he was, what's the word I want? Um, shunned. He was uh, overlooked. He was like made invisible. Uh, but where's that hit? And they were attempts on his life and fires in the temple that he was restarting up again because it had been closed. And I uh, went and talked to him when I, it was now a thriving Sarvodia community. And I said to him, Bhante, so explain to me, what, how are you able, when you were facing so much sullenness, rejection, ill will. How could you hold it together? You see, I'm just a sucker for courage, and I just wanted to know what I just, I have such an appetite for understanding courage. And he said this one, he said, oh, well, you see, every morning and every night, I did metta on the villagers, the very people who, if it had been, I'd been their place, I would have been sticking pins and dolls for them, you know, I just... <laughs> And he was making such space. It's very revolutionary. I mean, it's when you do metta, you are in the engine room of the universe. 
You are right there with the very rules of the game, the very currents of energy that cause plants to come out of the ground and clouds to mass and the rain. All, you're right there. And so there are a couple of things that we want to remember about metta, whatever this mystery is. It's not your possession. And it's not even something, it's not something you cook up, fabricate. It's more, in my experience, you just get out of the way and you open up and it's like it comes through you. It doesn't originate in you. That's why my experience of it. So I like that. It doesn't depend on uh, how noble or virtuous or sweet or good or wise I am, which is most of the time hardly at all. <laughs> but you just give it a chance. You just open up. And it's, it's, uh, you can feel it. I often felt if you, like the Buddha's doing it, shining it through me. It was like a beam of energy coming here, like I'm the lens of a flashlight. <laughs> but it's not, I'm not the light that's coming through, but I direct it. Now, how do you do that? That is the amazing thing about the nature of life, is that we can actually, and that's what the amazing of being human, we can choose where we put our attention. Nobody can take that away from us. At any point, you can choose what you're directing your attention to. And then there's a mystery that as you beam that attention on it, I love your phrase, the world begging for our attention. Well, you've all noticed this, that curiosity and attention turns into caring. And then turns into wonder. And that turns into reverence. I mean, there's nothing you can look at with that kind of open attention where that doesn't arise, the cherishing. So, we just let it happen through us by paying attention. And the last thing I want to say is that make a lot of room for surprise. <laughs> surprise is a very great gift. It calls your attention. It slaps you awake. Huh? <laughs> so allow yourself to be surprised and astonished. Don't think you know the people around you. Don't think you know. Don't let your life be coated with a false sense of familiarity. When Fran Macy and I became engaged, we wanted to tell a mutual friend of ours who had known each of us 
longer than we'd known each other. And this, uh, his name is Herb King. He was the pastor of a congregational church in Harlem. Wonderful man. And so we invited him uh, out to dinner at an Italian restaurant in Greenwich Village. And we told him. And he was so pleased. I can't just remember that brown face of his shining. It was, this was sort of dates that, you know, they had candles and Chianti bottles and all dripped down. And check. that was very pretty. That was the limit of what our, we could purchase for mystery. And <laughs> well, it was. Everything. And he said to me, us, he said, cherubs. <laughs> I have one prayer for you. It is this. May you ever see the other as a stranger. What a blessing. So throughout the 56 years, that was there. You know, more or less conscious and Frank walk into the room and I could look and say, hmm, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> so along with meta, practice surprise, astonishment, amazement. And the next morning at his church where we went, he preached a whole sermon on ripping away the veils of familiarity to be really present to your world. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.